0: got your Bible open, let's go to Mark 11 verse 22 and I'm going to start reading. It says, Jesus replied, have faith in God constantly. I assure you and most solemnly say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be lifted up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart in God's unlimited power, but believes what he says is going to take place, it will be done for him. In accordance with God's will. And for this reason, I am telling you, whatever things you ask for in prayer, in accordance with the God's will, believe with confident trust that you have received them, and they will be given to you. So if you're taking notes, my sermon tonight is called The Power of Prayer, and I'm going to ask the Lord for His help. Lord Jesus, Father, I thank you so much for your word. God, I thank you that it is powerful. I thank you that it is anointed. I thank you, Father, that it goes even to the bone of who we are. And Father, that it does not return void. God, I thank you that every word that I share will be Holy Spirit-fueled and it will find its mark in the listener. Lord, do what only you can do. Speak to your people. The voice of the Lord is many waters. Lord, you know what every person who came in this door needs to hear. And so impart your grace, your wisdom, your love to them. In the name of Jesus, amen. The power of prayer. Well, we kicked off our 21-day prayer and fast intensive on Monday. And if you haven't jumped on board with us, it's not too late. Go ahead. You can start tonight and start tomorrow and finish up a couple days after we do. But I really want to encourage you to take the next 21 days. The first few days of the new year will set the pace and the foundation for the next 365. In 2017, so I want to encourage you. Join with us. Link arms with us. There's a lot more information on the website. And I was talking to my kids and my family about the prayer and fast intensive. And there's some things we're doing as a family um, that that aren't necessarily related to food. But I'm just trying to teach my kids, you know, what is fasting, what is prayer, how does that work? And so when we were circled up. We'd had this little discussion about it, and I asked my 8-year-old, I said, well, have you thought about what you may want to fast? And we explained it to our kids this way. A fast is something you give up to spend more time with Jesus. That's all a fast is. It's something you give up to spend more time with Jesus. And so my son thought long and hard about it, and I can see his little 8-year-old brain is just turning. And he says, Mom, I'm going to fast school for Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) so close son so close and I think you have a future in the ministry so I said no no you're not going to fast school come back and I asked my daughter separately have you thought about what you want to fast and she said I want to fast my little brother and I was like ah You know, it's nothing like, kids keep you humble, right? You know, you think you're doing a great job, you preach the gospel, and then you go home and your kids tell you they want to fast each other. So it's so close. But the prayer intensive, I want to encourage you, jump on board with us. And so the the message tonight, the power of prayer, I'm going to talk about three hallmarks of powerful prayer so that as you go through the next 21 days in your prayer closet and when we gather together, you can remind yourself and hold fast to these hallmarks because I said it on Sunday, a pastor echoed it, I'll say it again. If you're just fasting food for fasting's sake, that's a diet. But when you fast and you couple it with prayer, that's powerful. And that's what God has for us. So in the context that we just read in Mark, Jesus was hungry a few verses prior to that. And he saw a fig tree in the distance. And he saw that the fig tree had leaves on it. And fig trees, when they have the leaves come on board, should also have figs. They're simultaneous. And he walks up to the fig tree expecting there to be fruit. And there's no fruit and he curses the fig tree and says you know what fruitfulness is unacceptable you can be you can't be all leaf and no fruit and the same is true for us we can't be all leaf and no fruit god has called us to fruitfulness and so he cursed the fig tree well the next day the apostles the disciples and jesus are walking and they're shocked the fig tree's dead and they're like jesus we can't believe this what you prayed for just happened in like 24 hours that's incredible And it's in that context that Jesus shares the scripture we just read together. He said, look, if you think the fig tree was something, anything you ask for, if it is in accordance with God's will, if you are praying the priorities that are God's, and God's priorities are the lost, God's priorities are his kingdom in heaven, on earth today when you are praying those things when you are seeking first his kingdom and his righteousness then there is nothing that he won't impart to you to accomplish those things and so that's the context in mark so powerful prayer has three hallmarks and the first hallmark if you're taking notes is that powerful prayer brings unity Prayer is one way that we abide in Christ. If you want to know how do I pray God's will, how do I pray God's priorities, prayer abides, it, it ties you to it, it brings your spirit into alignment with God's spirit. It's that place where you meet. You know, John 15:7 says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask whatever you desire and it will be given unto you. You know, prayer for a long time for me, I treated it like I was trying to get God on my team. Now, Lord, you know who I'm married to, and you know I'm right. No, that's not how you pray, you know. It's like, God, take my side. Take my side in this situation. Take, give, me, give me this thing. And I, I would treat my prayer like I was recruiting God for my team. And I was reminded in Joshua 5 of a verse where Jericho is in the distance and Joshua, this man of God, is about to go take this promised land and he's out by himself before the children of Israel go and start advancing towards this this city. And he runs into this huge soldier. This is a mighty man of God. The guy is, you know, a head taller than everyone. He's, He's dressed for battle. And wisely, Joshua says, hey, Are you for me, or are you for my enemies? And the man of God says, neither, but as captain of the host of the Lord's army have I come. When you and I go into our prayer closet, we're not trying to win God to our team. The unity that comes about is where we acknowledge, God, I want to be on your side. God, I want what you want. God, I want your priorities. God, I want your thoughts to be my thoughts. I want what you have in your word for every single person, not just for me. And God, I want you and I not just to have a monologue where I spend the next 30 minutes, the next hour, the next hour and a half telling you everything that I need. But God, I want it to be a dialogue because Jeremiah 33.3 3 says, if you call to me, I will answer you, and I'll tell you things you don't know. Well, I don't know about you guys, but there's a lot of things I don't know. There's a lot of things I do know. There's a lot of facts I do have, but there are certainly some things that I would like to have God's perspective on. There are certainly some things where not everything's been revealed to me, and Father, I need you to give me your thoughts because I want to pray in agreement with your spirit. I want to pray in agreement with what you've ordained and the will you have for me. So another way that prayer brings unity is when you pray his word. You can't get past praying the word of God. I was reading in our app. We have a reading program where you can read the whole Bible in 12 months. And I was reading and one of the verses in Exodus popped up. And it just spoke to my spirit and it was Exodus uh, 33. And it was where Moses was talking to God. And he said, God, it is your presence alone that separates us from all the other people on the planet. God, if your presence is not with us, we are nothing. And it spoke to me, and as I was reading and I started to pray that into my life, I was reading the word, I said, God, your presence alone separates me from everybody else on the planet. If you don't go up with me, I have nothing, not my position, not my possessions, it is your presence. As you read the word of God, God, The Holy Spirit will quicken in you, and he will say, pray that verse into your life. It can be something out of the Old Testament, something out of the New Testament, something that you never even really noticed. And the many times that you've leafed through the pages of your Bible, for the season that you're in, for that moment, the prayer, the unity that you have is that you are praying the very words of God back into your life. You know, Beth Moore is a prolific author, An amazing speaker. I have never read anything of Beth Moore's that I didn't love. The woman is is just an anointed, anointed scholar and teacher. And she had this profound quote that I just, it knocked my socks off. I want to share it with you. She said, you will watch an entire generation of Christians, of Christians, set the Bible aside in an attempt to become more like Jesus." And stunningly, it will sound completely plausible. This will be perhaps the cleverest of all the devil's schemes in your generation. Sacrifice truth for love's sake. And you will rise or fall based on whether you will sacrifice one for the other. Will you have the courage to live in the tension of both truth and love? Man, (laughs) let that just soak a little bit. God cannot be divorced from his word and he wants you in your prayer life to not only hear him speak to you through that still quiet small voice but also let him speak to you in the red letters and the black letters of your Bible. Let that wash over you. Let that remind you of who you are in Jesus Christ and what he has for you because all of those promises are not for anybody except you. They're for everyone who will receive his word. And that prayer life, that brings unity to us and in our walk. I'm getting over a little bit of a cough, so bear with me. I, smell, I kind of feel like my, my voice, I've kind of got this rich baritone kind of thing going. Maybe I should try out for the worship team right now. Like, I could do your Barry Manilow set if you needed me to. But anyway, so I'm going to keep sipping this water. Um, The last part about prayer and it bringing unity is that it brings unity in the body because you are never more like Jesus when you pray for other people. You are never more like Jesus when you pray for other people. You know, we and this prayer intensive that we're we're embarking on together, we offer you a prayer wheel. And it's not mandatory at all, but it's a tool and it's a resource for you because sometimes when you get down on your knees and you're finally in that quiet place where you can pray, your mind goes blank. It's like you think of a thousand things up until that closet door shuts and then it's like I'm in here in the dark and it's quiet. And I can't remember. No. (laughs) When you pray for others and this wheel will take you through an entire half hour, hour, hour and a half of not only praying for yourself and your family and your friends, but the unsaved. That is the most tender place that God's heart has for the unsaved, for the unchurched, for Celebration Church, to strengthen our church, for the will of God. Our nation could use your prayers right now our nation and our nation's leaders could use your prayers right now. And so when you are praying for other people, there is a unity and there is a corporate gathering in the body that shakes heaven's gates. And it makes sure that, you know, your prayers have power, but when your prayers are coupled with hundreds of other prayers, now that's something to watch and see. So prayer brings unity. The second thing is that prayer combats unbelief. Prayer combats unbelief. Hebrews 11.6 says that without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. So prayer combats unbelief. There's a story in Numbers 13 So when you go home, read it. It's a good read. Joshua 5 was the first one. Numbers 13 is the one I'm sharing right now. But the children of Israel have have escaped Egypt. They've escaped slavery. And they're on the very edge of the promised land. And God tells Moses, send 12 spies to go search the land. It's a good land, but I want you to see how good it really is. And so Moses selects the brightest and the strongest of each of the tribes of Israel. And he sends them on this spy mission to scope out the land. Well, they get in there and they see that the land is good. Like they go to pick grapes and the cluster of grapes is so huge, they have to put it between two dudes to carry it. Now that as some serious grapes. I have never seen anything like that at Kroger. If two dudes got to carry a bunch of grapes, you're not paying $1.96 a pound for them, I promise you. And so they're impressed with this land, but they also see that the, the people who inhabit the land are like giants. And they say in the scripture, we felt like grasshoppers next to them. Their cities are walled. They have weapons we've never even seen before. And so they come back to Moses and the people, and they give what they think is a very fair and accurate report. The land is very good. See, we brought you this produce back. It is, God is not a liar. It is flowing with milk and honey. But some crazy tall people live there. (laughs) Giants The cities are walled. There's no way we can conquer those cities. They have weapons we've never even seen before. And they started the rumors in the camp, the doubts in the camp. Now God, in Numbers 13, he called the spies report. There were 12 spies. Ten said, there's no way we can do it. Two said, yes, we can, Caleb and Joshua. God called the spies report evil. Not because it was inaccurate, but because it lacked faith. Come on. They had a very accurate accounting of the facts, of everything they could taste, see, smell, and touch. But it was completely devoid of who God was or any confidence they had in his ability to give it to them. You and I are going to walk into situations that God has claimed for us to have in 2017. And prayer combats unbelief because prayer doesn't say, put the blinders on, ignore the facts, la, 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 la. Have you ever talked to anybody like that? You're like, come on, honey, you got a credit score of 250, you're not getting this mortgage. La, 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 no, 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 no. There are some facts to be told here, sweetheart. No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying put the blinders on. God, in his wisdom, does not ask you to sacrifice your reason but he gave you Jesus so that your reason could be reconciled with faith and his ability to do things for you. Man, what is in the air? I'm preaching good. Thank you, Jesus. (laughs) Maybe it's just cough medicine. I'm going to take it every time I preach. I don't know. Excuse me. So their report had no faith, and God called it evil. You know, you and I have to make sure that our prayer life combats unbelief because you and I are going to come out of the prayer closet excited about what God can do. We're not ignoring the realities of the situation that we're walking through. We still see fire for what fire is, but at the same time, our perspective is elevated because we're coming out of a prayer closet having heard the thoughts of God and we are renewed and reminded that his arm is not short. That was the problem for the Israelites, and it cost them their inheritance. You know, faithlessness robs God of his integrity. It robs God of his mercy, and it robs us of our abundance. You know, I know personally I haven't prayed enough when I start to feel a little bit overwhelmed. When I'm just sitting at my desk doing my daily thing, when I'm at home parenting two kids who want to fast each other, (laughs) when I'm trying to be a blessing to my neighbor, and the little things, it's like the littlest straws that break the camel's back, right? When I'm in that moment of feeling that straw have an outsized burden on my back, I know I haven't prayed enough. Because prayer has this ability to renew my perspective and combat my unbelief. And it's an encouragement to me. Oh, I got to hit my knees. I got to hit my knees. I got to hit my knees. I know what the, the burden that I feel is not from Jesus because he has promised me that my yoke is easy and my burden is light. If you are chafing, it is not Jesus. If you are struggling under a weight, it is not Jesus. Hit your knees and get in unity with prayer and it will combat unbelief. And the last thing and my closing point with prayer Prayer means that the extent to which God can use you is unlimited. Prayer brings unity. It combats unbelief. And prayer means the extent to which God can use you is unlimited. You know, when society is at its lowest ebb, when everything seems hopeless, God finds a man or a woman of prayer. When you look through scripture, when you look through 2,000 years of church history, many times the only thing that recommended that person to God was their faithfulness, was their hunger, was their prayer life. That God's like, I can use this man or this woman in partnership with me to do big things because they are a man or a woman of prayer. You know, 1 Corinthians one twenty-seven says, God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. Do you really believe that? If you do, then every single person on the planet can be used of God every single person. It doesn't matter your hang-ups. It doesn't matter your past. It doesn't matter your shortcomings. It doesn't matter how strong you are or how weak you are, how wise you are. Sometimes I feel a little bit foolish. God uses the foolish and the weak to confound the wise and the strong. And prayer makes the difference. He doesn't need you to have a lot. He just needs you to be available. He just needs you to be available, and prayer makes you available. So Pastor Carter Collin is, if the team wants to come up and help me close, Pastor Carter Collin is the pastor of um, Times Square Church in New York City. And I love Times Square Church. I worked in New York City for a, a time, and I would try to go there as often as I could. And he shared that the greatest sin in Israel wasn't the golden calf, you know, where they made that idol while Moses was actually getting the Ten Commandments. ay ay, ay, Talk about timing. It wasn't the, the golden calf. It wasn't their murmuring. As serious as those things were, the greatest sin in Israel was their unbelief. It says in Psalm 78, that they limited the Holy One of Israel and questioned, can God provide a table in this wilderness? That was their greatest sin. If you and I will stay connected to God in power and in prayer, we will never limit him. We will never limit him. We will allow him to be who he is, God. And he can use us to the fullest, to the to heights and depths that we could have never imagined because we're simply obedient and willing to be prayerful. In 2017, I want us to pray like we have never prayed before. And I want to err on the side of faith. There are going to be challenges. There are going to be times where we feel like we maybe missed a step here or there. We, oh, I can't believe I did that. Everybody has those moments. But in 2017, I want to err on the side of faith where if I get caught making a choice, I want to be caught trusting God. I want to be caught saying, well, I knew the arm of the Lord was, was strong. I want to err on the side of faith in 2017. And our prayer lives will make that happen. Our prayer lives will ensure that that's the year that we have. Let's stand together, church. (coughs) You know, um, I'm closing with a story. My family loves the water parks in the woodlands. The pools here are great. And we especially love Rob Fleming Park. And it has this giant water bucket on top of this play structure. And the hoses come into it and pour water into it. And then you see that bucket start to tip a little bit. Have you guys seen that before? And all the kids start gathering under that bucket because they know what's about to happen. It pours out and everybody gets splashed and my sunglasses get knocked off and the kids think it's hilarious and everybody's refreshed. You know, in Revelations, the fifth chapter, it says that the prayers of the saints that's you and I the prayers of the saints these are not the people in heaven these are the people who are on the earth they fill giant bowls in heaven their prayers their whispers their shouts their tears every part every every unction that they've ever had fills this bowl of incense in heaven and it's a sweet aroma to the lord just like in the Old Testament, the priests used to burn incense in the Holy of Holies as an offering to God. Today, that offering is your prayer. It is your lips. Amen. And that the angels see these bowls being filled with the prayers of the saints. Well, you don't find out what they're going to do with them until you read Revelation chapter 8. And you skip over to Revelation chapter 8 and verse 3? It says, there was another angel having a golden censer. He came and he stood at the altar, and he was given much incense that he should offer it with the prayers of all the saints upon the golden altar, which was before the throne. So let me tell you what just happened. The angel picked up all the prayers of the saints. He added to it the smoke and the incense, the fire of God, the power of God. And you keep reading in the next verse, I think it's verse 4, the smoke and the incense, the prayers of the saints, ascended before God, the angel's hand. And the angel took the censer, filled it with fire from the altar, and he threw it to the earth. So what happened was the angel picked up all your prayers. He picked fire of God, the power of God up. He mixed it in with your prayers, and then God commanded the angel, pour it back on the earth pour it back on the earth. You and I, we don't get to see any of that happen with our natural eye. We just hear our own words. We hear our hot tears. We feel our hot tears. We hear the whisperings. But every time that bowl and that bucket is getting a little bit taller and a little bit fuller and a little bit fuller, and then God gives the command and he puts his power with your prayers, and he tells the angel, pour it back over on that situation. Pour it back over on that person. Pull it back over on that thing she's believing me for. And it says the earth shook with earthquakes and lightning and thunder, because God is moving in powerful ways and situations that you have whispered prayers to him about. Things that nobody knows you're praying for are kept in bowls in heaven. Ready to be poured back out on that situation, back out on that thing that you're believing God for. So, tonight, the bucket in heaven probably is not an orange Home Depot bucket, but it probably says, Let's do this. (laughs) I think it probably does, maybe in several different languages. But my challenge to you is simply this the altar call isn't really an altar call, it's a call to fill the bucket. Take 20 seconds, 2 minutes, 4 minutes, however much time you can afford to make your lips present incense before heaven, to fill the bucket, to give the angel an opportunity to stir it with the power of God and for God to have the ability to pour it over the situation he wants to pour it over. You're praying for things you don't even know you're praying for because your spirit is bearing witness with God. You don't even have faith in your flesh to believe God for the things your spirit is praying for. Hallelujah. So you are going to see God move things like you're like, I didn't see that coming. Well, that's because you didn't even know you were praying for it. But it's been in the bucket, and it's been waiting on this season and this time. So the altar call tonight is really not an altar call as much as it is an invitation. Let's just fill the bucket. Let's just fill the bucket. Corporately, let's just fill the bucket. And when you go home and over the next 21 days, every time you whisper, every time you bend your knee, I want you to imagine that bucket. Imagine that bucket. When you go to take your kids to the pool and that bucket pours out, imagine God pouring his spirit out on the earth to accomplish his good work because of your partnership and because of your prayers. So the team is going to lead us in some worship. The lights are going to dim. And the invitation is here. Let's just fill the bucket. Let me pray for you. Lord Jesus, Father, I love you so much. God, I thank you for the saints. I thank you, Father God, that you still use men and women of prayer. God, I thank you that your spirit is moving even now to give them unction, to couple with them, to tell them how to pray, what to pray for. God, I thank you that situations that we don't even know about are being impacted in the supernatural by the fruit of our lips. God, I thank you that this corner of the kingdom of heaven, the corner that Celebration Church, occupies is producing an aroma in heaven that you are getting a fresh incense before you because of the lips in this sanctuary because of the men and women who for the next 21 days are pursuing you are seeking your face and not just your hand who don't just want position and possessions but god who want your presence just like moses did god we bless you we praise you we glorify you in jesus name Amen.